If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello everybody, Andy Burt here. Welcome along to episode 76 of the Early Excellence Podcast. In this week's episode, I'm joined by my colleague Claire King as we discover the fantastic possibilities of woodwork. As part of our discussion, we explore how to get started with woodwork and how to introduce resources carefully, also how to teach key skills. So here you go. Here's my Early Excellence Podcast chat with our very own Claire King. Hello, Claire. How are you? Hi there, Andy. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Yes, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, We're going to be talking all about woodwork, aren't we? Um, Which is an area that I know is very close to your heart and close to my heart as well. Um, We've been both of us looking forward to this, haven't we? Talking all about woodwork. It's a a different sort of area, isn't it? A completely different kind of area to many of the other areas of provision that we would have within the classroom, but a really interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one that I always really enjoyed having within my setting and really saw lots of benefits from. But I also know it's an area that people worry about. They worry about that risk of using woodwork and woodwork tools. So it'll be a great opportunity to unpick some of those elements today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, you're right. I think people do have a real worry about it. And I understand that, you know, there there are risks involved, aren't there, and challenges involved. And I think in order to really get it working, we have to look at it differently to other spaces. We have to think about actually how how are those materials and resources going to be introduced? We have to think carefully about... um, about the risks involved and, and about actually how we introduce that risk and challenge and all of those sorts of things. And it does need to be done carefully and, and with respect, really, I think. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a variety of different stages, really, in considering considering if you are tempted, if people are listening to this and are tempted to have woodwork, but they don't really know how to get started with it, what we're aiming to do is by the end of this conversation, the end of the po- this podcast episode, we're aiming really for you to have at least a really good idea of where you might go and what you know with it and how you might get started. Okay, so let's get going then, Claire. Um, first thing to consider then, um, I think it's got to be why why would we choose woodwork? You know, why why is it? What 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 does woodwork bring to to the classroom? Yeah, I think woodwork has so many different elements. You know, it touches on a wide variety of skills. So when we think about some of those smaller skills like our hand-eye coordination or the dexterity in our hands, we think about the manipulative skills that children will achieve. So it offers a wide range of sort of skill set within hand development, eye-hand coordination, but also it's about those more intricate skills of, self-development so that self-confidence and that self-esteem that sense of pride children get when they're working with woodwork and it offers a different context to learn into many other areas and when we think also about that creative approach and imagination again it offers such a different variety of skills to other areas within our provision and then it touches on many different areas of learning also so a great opportunity to really give children a wide range of skills and knowledge. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting area, I think, that, that enables you to cover all sorts of different areas of learning. Um, I also think as well that for many children, it's it connects with what they know about. Not for all children, for, for, you know, for, for many children, actually, it will be different to what they've seen before. It won't necessarily uh, be part of their world at all. However, for some children, actually, they will have seen somebody, you know, sawing pieces of wood or they'll have seen somebody who in their family is a joiner or, a, 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 or um, is very good at, 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 at doing jobs around the house. And they'll have seen somebody with some of the tools that we're going to use within this space. And for them, it's their opportunity to show what they know, to show that they're a bit of an expert in something. And it's such a kind of a, a different kind of area that, that sometimes these children, the children that we're talking about, actually haven't had this opportunity to, to sort of stick their chest out a little bit and, say, and, and to show what they know, uh, you know, because actually this is an area that is something that they know about. And so for that reason, I think almost that for that reason alone, I think it's important that actually it gives some children that opportunity to say, actually, I've seen somebody doing this. I know all about this. And to give that, that child that, that opportunity to, to be a bit of an expert in something, I think it, it's so important, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that will really boost that self-esteem. And it's yeah. giving them those life skills, isn't it? They're seeing life skills in action from mm. what they know of their experiences, but also then being able to use and apply that within a, you know, a really safe, controlled environment. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned um, those links to areas of learning. Um, there are loads, aren't there? And, and interestingly, there are far more, once you start to think about it, in terms of links to areas of learning, there are far more than the obvious ones. There are some obvious ones, aren't there? But actually, it goes much further than that. Do you want to kick us off with those curriculum links, those areas of learning links? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you can link them to all areas of learning. So when we think about the obvious ones, we'll be thinking about that fine motor control with physical development. But actually, when we unpick that further, you know, we are really talking about that personal and social development where children really are gaining confidence, but also they're understanding risks and how to make choices. They'll be thinking about communication and language. They'll be negotiating that and talking through some of their ideas or how to use some of the resources, they'll be following instructions. So, you know, great opportunities there within the prime areas. But then when we think about more of the specific areas, like great opportunity for mathematical development, you know, being able to judge the size of a piece of wood or the length we need to cut pieces of wood to. So really a great opportunity there to unpick lots of maths. And then we have that really creative and imaginative sort of side of it where we can really carefully think about some of the designs we want to create and then how we're going to articulate some of our ideas and how we're going to put that down then into that woodwork design so great opportunities there that it can offer yeah absolutely um i'm sure you'll have used this this particular clip as part of your training i i use it a lot the the clip that we have that we use on on early excellence training which is the little boy called ewo have you, have yeah. you met Ewell yet? You will have yes. yeah. yeah. And and whenever we talk about language and vocabulary around woodwork, um, that clip particularly springs to mind. Um, for those of you who are listening and you're not familiar, if you've not been on early excellence training and you or you've not seen us play this particular clip, 
it's a great clip. There's a little boy, Iwo, who has English as an additional language. And he clearly has somebody at home who is, I think it was an, an uncle of his, who is, uh, who is a joiner. And the way that he works in this particular area is incredibly skilled. Um, and for him, it's his way of developing. He uses the, the opportunities through woodwork um, and, the, and, the, and he links them to other skills. So he, you see him drawing out a design for, for his birdhouse and then you see him um, writing a label for it. And then he takes his design into the woodwork area and he's supported by an adult to build the birdhouse. And it's this great clip where you see, you see the woodwork is, you see the skills that he already has and how he actually feels real pride in the work that he does. But you also see the skilled teacher or practitioner using the woodwork as a way in of, of saying, well, where do we need to put the windows? You know, what shape are the windows going to be? Um, do we need, do we need to, um, do we, what sort of roof are we going to have? What shape is the roof going to be? And all of these sorts of kind of quite simple questions that, that he, he shows that he understands and he shows that actually this is his way, a meaningful way of developing communication and language skills. And yeah, it's fascinating. And it's it just the woodwork itself provides such a rich context for all of that learning that comes into it, really. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if we even think about those characteristics of effective learning, you know, woodwork gives opportunities for children to demonstrate all of those because they really are going to be critically thinking. They really are going to be active in that learning process, really thinking carefully about what they're doing. So again, you know, a, a really wide range of skill set that children will be able to show you from using woodwork. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if people are listening to this and think, well, that sounds great. I really want to have a go at that. But at the same time, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, oh, crikey, I could easily get this wrong. Because I think people do feel that. You know, I think people feel that it's so risky that actually I'm really not sure about it. Um, and I get that. You know, we've probably all got children in our class that you think, crikey, can you imagine so-and-so with a hammer? You know, that kind of thing. And, I, you know, so I, I do get that completely. Um, so people will be kind of fairly, potentially a bit unsure about it. So let's think through then a, a set of, or a series of stages in terms of getting started. People are thinking about it and they need that structure where do we start? Where do we get? How do we get started? Yeah, I think it's important to note here that when we're not setting up a woodwork area and expecting children to access it independently with all the resources there, like we would in normal um, continuous provision, what we are producing is an area where we're going to introduce things slowly with an adult. We're going to really think about the skill set we want to build for our children and we're going to slowly introduce that with small groups of children, really getting them to understand those safety boundaries within that space, you know, getting them to feel the materials and the tools and how we use them. And we'll be carefully thinking about what skills we want to develop first and making that progressive in the way we introduce the tools. So then that way we can really create that low risk environment for them to, you know, to really engage in some really high quality learning. 
Yes, absolutely. And, and I think within this, we need to think about the, the tools themselves, but we also need to think about the safety aspect. And we also need to think about the wood and the material we're going to be using, don't we? So there are kind of different strands to this, I suppose, really. Um, so in terms of the wood, and it sounds like an odd thing to say, and that, you know, some people will be listening to this and think, well, it's just wood, isn't it? But actually, when it comes to introducing the wood to the children um, for woodwork, we do need to think carefully about the different types of wood and what's what's challenging, what's challenging enough, what will they be able to manipulate, and what are the, what are the purposes for it? Um, so, so how would we start? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, you need to carefully think about what you're trying to achieve with the children and what skill you're you're trying to achieve. So, you know, at first in that very experimental stage where you're wanting children maybe to start off sanding some wood, you may be thinking about more of a harder wood such as pine or oak that just enable a bit of stability to be able to sand parts of it. But then later on, if you're wanting children to cut and fix wood together with nails, then you might be thinking more of a softer wood, such as balsa wood, which would just enable that easy access for the nail to go in more. And then if you're thinking about those opportunities just to be able to experiment with a nail and hammer, then you'll want a more harder wood and a larger piece of wood. So then children, you know, haven't got to worry about that those smaller pieces of wood and that accuracy they've got a larger piece solid piece of wood to work with so I think it really does just depend on that the skill you're trying to teach the children to, which wood you would choose yes absolutely and I, and I think the process I always think about the process in terms of working with children within a woodwork area and that process of developing skills and then giving them the opportunities to use those skills as being a bit like um, working in terms of forest schools. Um, I don't know whether you, um, if you've ever been on forest schools training. Have you, have you been on yes. forest schools? Yes, yeah. I have, um, yeah. It was really, I, I did forest schools training a long time ago, and it, and it really, I found it really interesting because the process is, is slightly different in terms of how they go about teaching a skill or a, or a particular tool to what we would often do within an early years classroom. And I think actually the links between that forest schools approach of introducing a, a particular tool and how you use it, how you carry it, how you put it away, all of those sorts of things is actually, is actually a clear, there's a clear link between that and the woodwork area. So for, for people who are listening to this and you've not done forest schools training, what they do is they take, um, they take you take one tool at a time, basically. And you in the, it's introduced by the instructor. So it might be, say, a particular saw. So this is, the, for example, say the bow saw. And everybody is taught almost like a kind of a set of, um, a, a set of ways to, um, to use that saw and to hold it, to carry it, to put it away, you know, all of the things that, you know, almost, we, we had to talk it through. So we, we used to say, and, and I guess it would be the same for you. Um, so we do things like, you know, we'd have to say, well, this is a bow saw. This is how I hold the bow saw. So you, this is, you know, basically this is how I carry it. Then there would be, this is how I use the bow saw. And you'd have to sort of show exactly how you use it. And then this is how I put the bow saw away or something like that. And 
it's very kind of, in some ways, very regimented, very structured. But I think it does give you those those set skills where you know exactly how you're going to use something safely. And I think introducing the tools to the children in a woodwork area really needs to be something similar to that. So that actually we're introducing the tool itself, how we hold it, how we carry it, how we use it safely, how we put it away. And that we kind of take as long as it needs to take to get the idea of that before we move on to something else. So we don't need to think, well, crikey, I've set out, you know, I've got a whole term plan for the woodwork area. I've got one tool to introduce every week. And we've got to get this done this week because we're moving on to something else next week. I think it's better to be flexible with it and to not set yourself unrealistic goals, but to say, actually, we will do this until I know that I that the children know exactly how to use this before I move on. So like you said before, I, th- I think you start with something as simple as sandpaper, you know, and, and because if you have sandpaper, you can look at different types of sandpaper. So how coarse the, the grain is in terms of the sandpaper. You can also um, show the children how to wrap that sandpaper around a block, uh, which, of course, is important. You can show the children how to fold the sandpaper to get into smaller smaller spaces, perhaps. Um, and as part of that, of course, as they're lifting and moving the wood around to be able to sand it, we can be talking about safety. So we can talk about you know, making sure you're wearing goggles because you might get something in your eye. Uh, we can talk about um, we might talk about wearing a face mask potentially. Um, we could also talk about that idea of making sure that you've got enough space around you. So even before you're really introducing tools as such, we're already getting into that idea of treating this area with real respect. I think, which is key. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree. You've got to really carefully think about that environment and how you're going to teach that ch- the children that, you know, that safety alongside that skill development, because that's what most people do worry about. You know, they worry about children wandering around with with tools in their hands or using them in inappropriate areas. Actually, from the start, you're setting out that safety development. You know, this is how we handle the tools correctly. This is how I place it down when I'm not using it. This is how I store it away at the end of the session. And then this is how I carry wood effectively. This is how I make sure I'm not bumping into anyone. You know, I'm setting those boundaries from the start. And and that's really key to making it successful for the children. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so I would personally, I would start with that idea of sandpaper and you know, the safety aspect, you know, goggles, all of those things I've just mentioned. And then I'd, I'd work beyond that to introducing something like um, a hammer and, and nails and that the, the directed task, you know, that sort of introducing task would be about, you know, everybody knowing, first of all, how to hold the hammer, how to carry it, what where where it needs to be so kind of you know, like you say we're not carrying it everywhere around the room we are staying within this one area okay and then alongside that we'd be showing them the skill of how to how to hold the the nail safely how to hold it upright use that pinch kind of control that of course would be very useful for writing as well um and then how to do those little taps with the hammer so that actually it's very safe 
so that we're not, you know, we're showing the children that you don't bring your hand, you know, your arm right up above your head or past your shoulders. You know, you're not on a fairground kind of doing the great big hammer thing at the fairground. You don't need to do that. We're talking about little taps. And, and that through doing that, actually, you can see the children, I think, rising to the physical challenge because it is physically challenging, isn't it? You know, there's no yeah, doubt about it. It's physically challenging. And so you see it. I think the children, I, I think they, they get the idea, even very young children, understand the idea that actually these are real things that we're trusting you with. Do you see what I mean? You, yeah, they really take that sense of ownership and pride in that because they can see that adults are trusting them to use real tools. Mm -hmm. And you really do see the children sort of step up to that challenge. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so if we were talking about a progression of different sorts of skills, we've, we've, we've talked about the sanding uh, and using sandpaper and the idea of some of the risks involved, maybe moving on to using uh, a hammer and a nail. And, and again, you know, taking as long as you need to do this, maybe over a few weeks of introducing this and making sure the children know how to do it before you give them the chance to do it independently. Where would you move on to next? Where would you go next with it? Yeah, I think about the other range of tools that you might want to offer, such as saws, for instance. And then I would start that in a very similar process to you would the hammer. So starting off with how to use it safely, how to hold it, where to store it when we're not using it. And then I would think about making those small cuts with the wood mm. to then progress into actually being able to cut through the wood, measuring the length of the wood we need, and then being able to use it to the source to cut the length we need required for our model. So I'd be thinking about each tool and how I would want to use that. And then I would think about that design process. So children having that opportunity to think prior what design they would like to create, looking at the resources that are on offer, the shape of the wood, the type of wood. And sometimes in that design stage, it might be simply creating a design and using, for instance, masking tape to assemble some of those pieces of wood, just so it gives children that idea of what that design might look like when it's fixed together. And then I would get them to really think about what tools are we going to need to assemble this part? Do we need to use the tool to cut parts? Is a hammer and nail the most effective way? Or should we look at using a screw? So it's those type of conversations and that design process that I would then move on to, to really develop and get the children thinking critically about what they want to design. Hmm. The aim, of course, is, is you know, if we kind of fast forward, really, to the end of the school year, that say if we start with woodwork um, at some point fairly early on and we develop all of those sets of skills that we've been talking about and we do it carefully, the aim really is that by the end of the year, we've got children coming into this space and using the tools independently, using them safely, having their own plans, having their own ideas, carrying all of those ideas out and knowing, knowing the tools that are available to them and making choices with those tools all of those sorts of things, I think, isn't it really? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, the other thing I, I wondered about, just as you were just talking, is um, if you were going to create a woodwork area, we'd need to think also about, um, it would be interesting to think about where these particular models or woodwork creations, where they're going to be stored or where they're going to be displayed. 
you know, having a, a display space, whether that be a, a windowsill or a low play table or the top of a drawer unit or something like that, you know, a gallery space for your woodwork creations, I think, I think is a great way of valuing the children's ideas and creations. It also, yeah, I totally I think, agree. yeah it's really powerful. And, and I also think it then also, it creates another opportunity for writing, a meaningful opportunity, doesn't it? Because we can, we can give the children folded over pieces of card, perhaps, you know, so that actually they are making a label for something that they've created and they're having a go at writing, you know, either their name or writing what it is or perhaps towards the end of the year, you know, writing a sentence, you know, it is a, and whatever it might be, a helicopter or, or whatever it could be. Um, there are lots of opportunities as well to combine materials, aren't there? Mm. You know, so you might have smaller materials within this space, you know, things like, you know, milk bottle tops, for example. Yeah, they create a great opportunity to provide, you know, things like wills, for instance, for Mm. for children's models. So, yeah, really think about some of those reclaimed materials that you can also combine with woodwork. Yes. And when we we talk about progression, of course, you know, you often see um, it's one of those things that is a very typical thing that people will do in Key Stage 1 is to make vehicles in a way where you would make vehicles with an axle, you know, where you use the sort of pieces of card with a hole, with a hole within them and then you're placing doweling through it to make an axle for vehicles. It's interesting to think, well, actually, where's the, you know, where is the progression leading up to that? You know, because sometimes what happens is, you know, that's children's first experience of woodwork when they do that, when they create those vehicles. And so there's quite a lot to get used to all within one activity. When actually, you know, all the way through the EYFS, we could potentially be building up to that sort of skill so that we see that progression, I think. Yeah. And when we think about that curriculum progression, you know, that that is ideal. So when we're thinking about moving on to key stage one or two and we're looking at our curriculum, we need to be thinking about what are the foundations that we're building upon. And, for example, in that DT and technology area, creating a woodwork area and really teaching those children skills are laying the foundations for that future learning within key stage one. And then it's about how we then move this skill on moving into key stage two. So then the the continuation of skill building and knowledge will continue through their primary years. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I was going to say is that we also need to think not just about the progression of skills, but about what we're going to offer. So what resources and of course, this is a, it's an area particularly that, that really is something where you've got to think carefully. To make it work, you've really got to think carefully about actually what will the children have access to. So, you know, from the bigger things, like, you know, there's a woodwork bench, for example, to then the smaller things and the tools and, and other things, should we put together a kind of a, a bit of a list of the sorts of things that people will need to get started, to, to get going, or certainly things to consider? So yeah. do you want to kick us off with that? Is that all right? Yeah, so I'll start off with the larger piece of equipment. So this might be a woodwork bench. But also, if you don't have access to a woodwork bench, you could think about an appropriate height table with a vice, for instance, because that would then offer that great opportunity for the wood to be held safely for the children then to be able to use woodwork tools. So if you can't, if you haven't got the space or you know, 
budgets and cost in for a woodwork bench. Yeah, really think about a table, but make sure it's just that appropriate height for children to be able to use. So, you know, it's not too high that then it's becoming eye level, but not too low where the children are then hunched over, leaning over it. So a real height appropriate table with then a vice attached to it will really enable a safe environment to work in. Very good. Yeah, good start. Um, so woodwork bench, then I would be thinking about, I think we've got to think safety, haven't we? So I would be thinking safety goggles, I think would be the next thing. Safety goggles would be a, a really important thing to consider. Um, and idea, you can get different sorts. So, you know, there are some that are a bit like the kind of the traditional kind of rubbery goggles that with an elastic band that go all the way around your head. Um, but you can also get sort of almost like safety glasses that are, are actually easier for the children to put on and, and use. Um, and so either of those, I think, would be quite interesting to explore and to consider. Um, ideally, you need to, when we're talking about safety, um, ideally, you really need to be offering goggles and things like that that are um, appropriate to the size and age of your children, you know, and, which I know is an obvious point to make, but actually it is key, isn't it? You know, they're not just there for display purposes. You know, it's it, they are there actually for children to be using and using appropriately. And I think a bit like we said earlier on, it's about valuing the space, isn't it? You know, that actually somewhere will the children will feel that this is really valued if you give them the right materials, if you give them the right tools and the right safety equipment so that it feels real. It's not just playing at it. You know, it's not just pretending. It should feel real, I think. And so, yeah, um, high quality safety goggles or safety glasses or both. Um, and, and alongside that, um, things like, you know, face masks, you know, so that it, because it might well get quite dusty within this space. Okay, so safety things next. What else, yeah. Claire, what do you think? I think that's a good point to make, absolutely, Andy. Um, then I would think probably about the tools I'm going to introduce. And again here, very similar to the goggles, they need to be appropriate size tools because if we want children to use them effectively and safe then they need to be the appropriate size so you can buy child size hammers for instance and you can have different size head hammers so I'd be providing a bit of variety I'd be thinking again with things like drills so you can get a lot of different size hand drills that have the turning cog for children and again I've seen lots on the market that have different handles that I hold so some of them are more longer handles to hold and then some of them are those sort of round ball that give children you know that that opportunity to hold that grasp over the top and then turn the handle so it's just really thinking about the age of your children that sort of skill set of your children and what tools they would be able to use but really making sure that they are size appropriate is key yes and then of course we get on to the pieces of wood, which are, of course, are, again, are a resource, aren't they? And we mentioned this a little bit earlier on, didn't we, that I think you need to really have different types of wood, but also different shapes and sizes. So from the balsa wood to then the harder types of wood for different, really for different opportunities and offering different challenges. But ideally also, I'd try, I would, if it's possible, I would try to get different shapes and sizes of pieces of wood um, you know, it may well be that you have a parent of one of the children in the class or of, of another child in school who is a joiner. Um, 
who will be able to bring in offcuts for you. You know, so kind of pieces of um, skirting board that have been cut off or corners or things like that or what, all sorts of different shapes and sizes. They will know the sorts of things that actually they could bring in. And of course, that if you can then access a range of different sized pieces from kind of cube pieces to cuboid pieces to um, um, different sorts of shapes and sizes, you can then store them by shape which again provides that opportunity for sorting, doesn't it? So different sorts of wood, but also different shapes and sizes of wood, I think would be an interesting one to consider. Yeah, definitely. And you might think about that, you know, the dowling rods, because if children are creating those axles, then they, they, they'll need to spin. So it's really carefully thinking about, yeah, the shapes and sizes that you're offering children. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um so we've talked about all kinds of things already, haven't we? We've talked about what, what people will need. We've talked about how you get started. Um, what about the impact on children? What's the impact? You know, you, I mean, talking from experience, because you've had a woodwork area within classrooms, within, in the classes that you've taught. I've had woodwork areas as well. I think there's a real, I think there's a real impact to it that I think would be, means that for me, it's an area that I would always want to have. So can you start us off with that? What do you think is the impact? What do you see in the children? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And if I was back in the classroom, it's an area I would always consider having. And from my own teaching experience of having a woodwork bench, the, the benefit and the impact on the children is huge. You know, I noticed children that were more reserved and very quiet, you know, come into their element within a woodwork bench. Some of those children that I might not have seen so much imagination and creativity, I could really see them excel in that woodwork area, really carefully thinking about some of those ideas that they might not have expressed in other areas. And I go back to the characteristics of effective learning because you can really see the children demonstrating all of them in a woodwork area. You know, it's fascinating to watch that ideas process, but also that level of engagement and concentration when they're focusing on their woodwork. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the um, I, I think there is something about the real tools and the, the kind of giving the children that opportunity to use what to them is very much a real thing. You know, yes, we're talking about child-sized hammers or child-sized screwdrivers or whatever it might be. But nevertheless, we are talking about real things and real challenge. And it's something that they probably won't have used before. You know, it's saying to the children, actually, this, you know, I, I have a high expectation for you, isn't it? It's really high expectation. I'm expecting you to be able to use these real tools and, and to, to basically be, it's a bit like we say, we know we give children real, real artists materials because we want them to be an artist. I think giving the children the real woodwork tools is saying to them, I've got really high expectations for you as somebody who can be really creative and really skilled. And so I'm giving you the real tools that you need. And I, so I, I think in terms of impact on the children, I think it's, it's partly about all of those skills that we talked about, you know, the, the creative skills, the physical skills, the designing skills, the language and the communication. It's all of those sorts of things. It's also those characteristics of effective learning. 
But I think a third aspect that I, I think is is different is that I think this area particularly, it gives you a difference, a slightly different relationship with your children where actually you are, you're expecting something, you're, you're expecting great things from them because you're really giving them the real sorts of things. And there is an understanding that there is risk involved. And, and so there's an element of trust here. And I think it's that bit that often puts people off, that element of trust, mm. that kind of thinking, well, crikey, you know, just imagine, so as I said before, just imagine this child with a hammer and so on. But I think in reality, usually children rise to that challenge. You know, it's a bit like the conversation we have, I have quite often with people about um, domestic role play and whether you might have real cups or real saucers or real plates in the domestic role play area. And of course, I understand that concern because things will get broken. You know, somebody will drop a plate in the same way as somebody at some point is going to hit their thumb with the hammer, you know. Um, but we learn through that, don't we? And we say, well, oh, you know, when the plate is dropped in domestic role play, you know, we're shocked and we're surprised or, we, you know, we, are, we say, oh, come on then, let's make sure it's safe. You know, we've got to tidy it up. We've got to sweep it up carefully. There are no more pieces. Let's wrap it up in newspaper, make sure it's safe for whoever's handling the bin when it goes in the bin, all of those sorts of things. We go through that process of making sure that it's safe and that actually over time, children learn to be safer through doing it. It's a tricky one, isn't it? But it's an interesting concept. Yeah, so I, so I, I think children get different things from it because of that trust and challenge element. Yeah, mm. I would totally agree. You know, it, it is an area that you're, you know, you're really asking the children to step up to that challenge, you know, and you you are building that relationship, that trust within them. And, and they really do respond well to it. They really understand that these are real tools and that these real tools can have an effect. So therefore, they really think carefully about the way they're using them. And some of those children, you know, may become more dysregulated within other environments, you know, really do self-regulate themselves within a woodwork area because they know the risk. They know they have to be careful and really carefully think about what they're doing. Mm. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great area. I would say to yeah. anyone, just give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing to say is that quite often, a bit like, again, a bit like with Forest Schools, there's often one person in an early years team who is absolutely desperate to get a woodwork area up and running. Meanwhile, there are other people who are perhaps a bit more cautious and not sure about it at all. And I, I, get, I think, again, a bit like with, with Forest Schools, I think it's important to give the person who is naturally drawn towards something like this to give them that responsibility, to give them that opportunity to, to take on this area and to, and to show other people who might be less confident actually how it would work. So it's, it's a good one, I think, in terms of really making members of your team feel really valued, that they bring something particular to the group, to the, to the team, uh, as early as teachers or as practitioners. So, yeah, it's a great way of sharing skills across the team, I think. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, the other thing, just to finish, Claire, one of the things that I was thinking about was if people are listening along to this and they're thinking about getting going with it, 
Um, it would be great if people got in touch, wouldn't it? You know, it'd be always good to to see, you know, what people have done with this. So if you're listening along and, you know, you've not had a woodwork area before and this has got you kind of thinking about it and you're thinking, right, for September or at some point in the year, you're going to get started on a woodwork area, get in touch with us. So you can get in touch with with us via email. So um, I'm Andy at earlyexcellence.com. Um, Claire is just Claire at earlyexcellence.com. So you can get in touch with us via email, but you can also get in touch with us on social media as well. Um, so both Claire and I were both on, on Twitter. You'll find us on Twitter, uh, Andy Burt EEX uh, and Claire, are you Claire? I'm Claire King EEX. Claire King EEX. Um, and you can also get in touch with um, with Early Excellence generally just on, on social media, on, on all kinds of different platforms, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all of them. Somebody mentioned that we are apparently on, on TikTok, but I've not seen Ooh. it. <laughs> I don't know whether that's the case. Somebody didn't mention that to me. Um, but, yeah, you can certainly get in touch. And it would be great, I think. It, sometimes I think it helps, doesn't it, if you see – if you're caught and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, and then you see other people who have made a go of it, I think it does help you. It does give you a bit of confidence. So it would be really great, I think, if people could get in touch and share photographs and share their experiences around woodwork. Okay. Yeah, it would be lovely to see some of the journey building up. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really great. It would. Claire, thanks so much again for joining us. Um, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too, Andy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you go. Um, definitely lots to think about there, I think. Um, thank you very much to Claire for joining us on this week's episode. And also, of course, to you people for listening along as well. Um, this is our last podcast episode of the academic year. Um, we'll be back in September, of course, with lots more episodes, including an interview with the wonderful Tamsin Grimmer and also a follow-up chat with the inspirational team at Manor Wood Foundation Stage in Leeds. Um, thank you again for listening, everybody. Have a great summer break and enjoy a very well-deserved rest. <laughs>